0: This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. This is Tom, and Jake is here with us today today. So, uh, I guess. Yeah, we're just going to dialogue a little bit here. I'm going to probably do a lot of the talking, but he'll uh, ask questions or interact a little bit here as well. We're starting a new series, and it's on other religions, and by other religions, we mean other than biblical Christianity. We are uh, starting with that basis that the Bible is our authority, and so we're going to look at some other ways that... People come up with other ideas, uh, and we're going to interact with some of those ideas. And today we're going to start with Mormonism,
1: or the Latter-day Saints. That is an interesting first one to start with. It is.
0: It's an interesting one, for, for sure. Either. Yeah. In fact, they call themselves the Latter-day Saints because they thought, think, that in the Latter-days that they are returned to a form of true spirituality, religion, they would even call themselves Christians, Mm -hmm. even though we're going to talk about some things today that shows us, no, they're not really necessarily Christians.
1: Well, that's where Mormonism gets interesting, is they use a lot of the same language, just their definitions are a little bit different.
0: Exactly. So I kind of first started interacting with Mormons back in college after I came to know Jesus as Savior. And I'm excited about it and sharing with people. And then I see there's these students that are kind of doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. and only they weren't on track with where I was at in terms of truth and found out that they were Mormon students. And so then um, we took off on a ski trip with my family back, I don't know, about my third year of college or so. And we stayed with a Mormon family. They were friends. Uh, The dad out there was friends with my dad and really nice folks. They were not necessarily real real conservative kind of Mormons, but they lived in Utah. We're out in Utah, so 90% of the population are Mormons. Yeah and so they thought it would be nice if we went down and we took a tour of the museum of mormonism
1: okay interesting and so
0: well first first we stopped by and we went to the hall where the Mormon Tabernacle choir would sing and does concerts and things, and they're kind of well known around the world, hmm. I suppose not so much these days uh yeah, not quite but as much. yeah, not as much, but uh you know, for a while they were well known, and so we looked in there, kind of a cool auditorium, and then they took us into the museum. And so we're going through the museum and things are going along. This tour guide is showing us through the museum. And then they come up and there's this little display of Joseph Smith finding some golden tablets. Well, like I say, I'm a fairly new Christian. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to read about all this kind of stuff. And it got me kind of fired up. And so I started arguing with the uh, guy who was giving us the tour. Always a good call. And uh, the rest of my family is just like turning away from me, <laughs> <laughs> embarrassed. And uh, afterward, I thought, well, that probably is not the best way to go about that, because I wasn't going to convince the guy who was the tour guy. No,
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. No,
0: just, yeah, just embarrassed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but. But it made me feel good. Uh. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you had all the right points and everything. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you knew the answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then um, I've met Mormons in various kinds of settings. You know, on these days, uh, you'll have these young men, primarily mm-hmm. young men. I think there are some young women as well that go out and about and do their missions trips. Yeah, but think- you have young men. That are between 18 and Mm 20-something. And, you know, a lot of times we see them in white shirts and nice dress slacks. I don't know. Do they still have that outfit? I I think think so, I think they do, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they come knocking up on your door, and they'll say, I'm Elder Smith, Elder Jones. And the first thing I usually say to them is, I can't call you Elder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we start, I just try to gently challenge them and I mm-hmm. say, you're not older than me. How can I call <laughs> you elder? And it kind of flusters them a little right. bit, too. But anyway, um, try to be kind and yet also ask them different questions about mm-hmm. what they believe and things. And and this is one of the issues as we think about Mormonism is that you have generations of people that have been really raised in this, and it's a very tight community. Oh, yeah. And so there aren't too many that I've run into that have converted to biblical truth. Uh, they, they just kind of, I mean, it would be like a Jewish person in Israel or like somebody who's a Muslim, turning and trusting in Jesus as Savior. It, it's very anti family.
1: Yeah, them. it's a, it's a whole family affair, so turning away from an Mormonism would be something that you're, you you have the potential to have to give up your entire family.
0: Yeah, exactly. Is, I mean, yeah. it just would cause a lot of tension for them. We we all see Mormon commercials. They're good, good clean-cut people, and in some ways, I mean, they don't drink coffee. We drink coffee and diet Coke and Pepsi or whatever it is. And they, I mean, they're pretty, most of them are pretty straight on uh, different kinds of things as far as morals.
1: Very wholesome. Yeah, very wholesome. Like 50s TV-esque. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, They're very fast growing around the world. This is one of the issues over in Africa and Asia is people will be spiritually interested and then they might run into a Mormon or Jehovah Witness and get, all off track and confused. Yeah,
1: I suppose again, if you're new to Christianity, then what's the difference between Mormonism and anything else? Exactly, Christian would be the exactly the easy thing to believe. Yep.
0: So Joseph Smith was the founder, and there's a lot of spiritual turmoil going back on in the world in about 1820s, 1830s, and. He began to imagine these things and write in this very fantastical kind of way. And so even in those days, though, there were pastors and writers who noticed the Book of Mormon and mm-hmm. what he was trying to teach. Uh, one such one was a guy by the name of Alexander Campbell back in the 1800s, and he said, um, I asked my forgiveness from all my readers had not several hundred persons of different denominations believed in it. That is the thing mm-hmm. that the Mormons were teaching. He says on this count alone, it becomes necessary to notice it. And so he was beginning to notice that there was something started. And so that was uh, about, like I say, 1820, 1830. And so, you know, a little bit of the story of Joseph Smith starts saying he discovered these things, and so he puts together a group of people who began to travel west to find a place to call their own, because there was persecution that came upon him. And and he was into magical kinds of pursuits, what we might call the occult, Mm -hmm. Um, 1971 documents uh, related to an 1826 trial in New York, in Bainbridge, New York, where he was convicted for what was then called glass-looking, kind of a form of divination, in which they take a quartz stone and hmm. put up up in a hat, and then they were supposed to be able to locate a hidden treasure or object if they looked at that quartz stone. Huh. And so Well
1: this would have been before after he discovered the tablets. No, this was before. Interesting. Yeah. And
0: Interesting. So um so he apparently was kind of using that kind of thing yeah. to say that he found various kinds of right. things.
1: Right. He's he was always kind of a seeker, right? I think some of what I've interacted with him about has been he bounced around from denomination to oh, denomination, definitely. just kind of Never quite satisfied, never finding answers, always yeah, looking for something more. I mean, he more.
0: was somebody who had an amazing imagination, mm-hmm. really. And when you read through the Book of Mormon, you find there's lots of references from the King James Version of the Bible. Naturally. Yeah. He was writing in that King James Version English, which always kills me because, you know, King, King James Version English is from the 1600s. And then why would somebody even in the 1800s be writing in right, King James yeah. English? Uh, it's it's just a, kind of affected. Mm-hmm. And so he says he finds these golden plates um, given to him from an angel, Moroni, that you see on top of the Mormon tabernacles. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't think I that. Yeah. Yeah, instead of a cross, they've got the angel Moroni. Hmm. And uh, he says he translated them from Egyptian into English, and this became the Book of Mormon. Then there's The Pearl of a Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants. And so, one interesting thing uh, Time magazine, May 20th, 1985, had an article about two letters that uh, exploded. Joseph Smith's stories about finding the the golden plates. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll quote a little bit. Uh, It says in that time magazine, how did Joseph Smith acquire the papyrus, which he translated and named the book of Abraham? And so we're familiar with the book of Mormon, but he has these other um, documents that he says are from. There's a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah, exactly. There's Pearl of a Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, the book of Abraham, So, what we find out is July 3rd, 1835, a man by the name of Michael Chandler opened an exhibit in Kirtland, Ohio. There were four mummies from Egypt, Mm -hmm. and there were several papyri um, covered with hieroglyphics. So, what happened was that Joseph Smith and his followers purchased these papyri. Interesting. Yeah. And... He said uh, that Zia examined them, that they contained the writings of Abraham, and that it was while Abraham was in Egypt uh, that these things were written. So, after he purchased these things, um, he began to translate them, and the problem is, he didn't no, Egyptian. Right. Which is a <laughs> Which good is a bit first of a step in
1: translating Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, but. it's a
0: little hard to translate. Uh, so, quote, um, a large portion of Joseph's translation has survived in his original hand. That is, we oh, have the translation that Joseph wrote from this mm-hmm. Egyptian document. Immediately noticeable is the large number of words Joseph Smith used to render each Egyptian character. So, for example, um, Joseph Smith put down one thousand one hundred twenty-five English words to correspond to forty-six Egyptian characters. Oh my! A ratio of twenty-five to one. And so he basically said that this Egyptian character meant thus and so. And I'll give an example in just a second um, when it didn't have anything necessarily to do with that. So, for example. There's an Egyptian word that means lake. And Joseph Smith translated that word lake with 76 words that have nothing to do with a lake. Uh, So I got this book called The Mormon Papers that I've got a lot of this information from. So one word, lake, and I won't read this whole thing, but here's uh, how Joseph translated the word lake. Now this priest had offered upon this altar altar three virgins at one time, who were the daughters of Onida, one of the royal descent directly from the loins of Ham. These virgins were offered up because of their virtue, etc. Cetera, etc, cetera, et cetera. And so nothing to do with Not Blake. At all. No. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So he he just basically imagined these things. So this book, uh The Mormon Papers by Harry Ropp, it's an older book. But you guys just just looked it up. You could find it if you want it from Amazon or other okay. use bookstores. What I like about it is it asks the question, are the Mormon scriptures reliable? And so anytime we're having discussions about religion, one of the things that we want to do is ask, are the documents that... Are the founding documents for the religion? Are they historically reliable? Mm-hmm. Is there evidence that points to the reliability of these documents?
1: Yeah, yeah, which we should do with our own exactly. Bible. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, like, um, one of the books that really helped me a lot when I was new Christian was Josh McDowell's book, "Evidence That mm-hmm. Demands a Verdict." And so that's exactly what he does in that book. He asks, "Is the New Testament reliable?" Can we trust what the gospel writers have right, written? Yeah. Can we trust that the Old Testament, the New Testament is reliable? So this book then on Mormonism is just asking the same question. Is there reliability in what was written down? It's a historical question.
1: Yeah. And not any value statements, just exactly. is this accurate or not?
0: Exactly. It's an important thing to think about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's just talk a little bit about what Mormons believe Mormons are respectful to the Bible, but they don't necessarily rely on the Bible in the same way that we do. They have the things they believe and hold to, and they would say the Book of Mormon trumps the Bible, okay. in a
1: sense. So it would be, yes, the Bible, but also, yes. and more ultimately, Book of Mormon. Yes.
0: So one Mormon professor described the Bible as of great worth, but he claimed that it is not complete. Or doctrinally accurate. Interesting. Yeah. In contrast, the end of the Bible um, in Revelation, it says, do not add away, add to this book of the Bible. Do not take away from this prophecy. And so it's obviously written by the Apostle John, Mm -hmm. in particularly in referencing Revelation. But we can apply it to the rest of Scripture, since Revelation is the last book of the Bible written. And also in terms of uh, the whole Bible, it comes at the end as well. So that's one of the issues is just even adding books Mm -hmm. to Scripture, saying that there's further revelation. That's a big problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So here's another statement by Joseph Smith. He says, I'm going to inquire after God. I want you to know him, to be familiar with him. So, you know, he comes out with these ideas that, People somebody searching say, Yeah, I agree with that. He says, I'll go back before the beginning. Before the world was to show you what kind of being God is. So he says he's gonna go back before Genesis.
1: This is yeah. What they believe before the beginning is interesting and I've had some interactions with a couple of missionaries and again you can agree with a lot and and then it gets to where they go there and it just yeah, things go south pretty quickly.
0: Well, I like reading science fiction, yeah. fantasy kind of stuff. And this is like, oh, yeah, if I was reading yeah. a science fiction book, um, this would fit right in. But, yeah, he
1: kind of does like world building almost, of yeah, he making does. things make sense, which if God yeah. makes sense, is he still. It
0: kind of like the original yeah. video game.
1: Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: when you talk about world building, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some video games that are kind of. Established on that yeah. kind of uh, idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Absolutely. and really, like I say, he's a very creative kind of guy. Oh, yeah. And so this is also where he says, I would say to you, if you were to see God today, you would see him like a man in form like yourselves, in all the person, image, and very form of man. So his idea is that God was a man and created this universe that we have here and that we have opportunity to be gods ourselves and create another universe ourselves.
1: Yeah. that See, that's, again, Freaky. They, they say a lot of other things, faith and grace and all those things are great and agreeable. And then it's, I mean, that's, that's, this is the part I have the biggest problem with is if God is a man, then why would I worship him? Why not worship the God that created him, or the God that created exactly. him, or like you could keep on going further exactly. back and further back? And well,
0: what was the original temptation in Genesis three? You will be like God, yeah, and uh, that's Genesis three five, yeah, and so interesting, yeah. So really, a direct con- contradiction that's
1: there. Yeah, when the heaven of your religion is directly contradicting. God's com- original commands. and
0: Yes, exactly. But like you said, Jake, if you were to sit down and ask them, do you believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in, they come to him by faith? And mm-hmm. do you believe in forgiveness? Do you believe he died on the cross? They say yes, 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 yes. But they believe that Jesus and Satan were brothers. Jesus oh, okay. went right. Satan went wrong. And, I mean, there's just enough well, not much truth in that, but, uh, I mean... Uh, it, it sounds good, and it yeah, sounds exactly.
1: religious or spiritual, and yeah, sometimes that's feels like enough.
0: Yeah, so very... And, I mean, the part of this is where you get their whole family kind of basis is that we are families. They're spirit babies that mm-hmm. were sent here, and then um, become part of this human family, and then you go back, and you create your own universe with spirit babies, and it's, yeah, it gets a little bit strange.
1: And I think that's one of my other biggest problems with Mormonism is there's a certain lack of straightforwardness with things. If you want to know what New Hope believes, you can walk up to any of the leadership here and be like, hey, what do you guys believe about this? Yes. What do you believe? And Right. um, In my experience with kind of the Mormon missionaries, it's all just... Little bits of the time and little bits, yes. and start off with the right. the stuff that sounds familiar, and then get to the stuff that is yes,
0: and it seems to be very planned and strategic yeah. oh, on so. their
1: their part. Yeah.
0: So one former president and prophet of the Mormon Church puts it this way: He says, "As man now is, God once was; as God now is, man may be." Interesting. And yeah, I mean, and really, in some ways, this is my biggest yeah. beef is yeah. just it is completely wrong
1: mm-hmm. if, if god isn't eternal then he's not god yeah exactly he's not worth worship exactly he just becomes a powerful king right yeah
0: and it just kind of elevates ourselves mm-hmm. way beyond what we should be and are
1: and yeah absolutely yeah because then your desire becomes to be to be god right. instead of to yep. be under god
0: yep so Those are a few things about Mormonism. Let's see what else. Another issue, kind of jumping back here to Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith is the founder. He's the revelator of Mormonism. And yet, he was a very odd person. He was immoral in some ways. Very deeply flawed. Yeah, very deeply flawed. So... 1835, um, Joseph Smith began to engage in polygamy and didn't just limit his interest to single women, even sought to marry the wives of several living men um, who were married at the time. And when he was killed in 1844, he left behind at least 27 widows. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, you say, well, David did that. Yeah, but David mm-hmm. was flawed. He was before Christ. Mm-hmm. And so Joseph Smith should have known better. He had the New Testament.
1: Right. Well, and David is never lifted up for that. No, exactly. And never shown as an example for those reasons. He's exactly. An David and Solomon, his... yeah. we would
0: say, yeah, they, they got off track uh, yeah. in that respect.
1: Yeah, it, there's some other tricky things just with. Race with the early Mormon Church is there not?
0: There is. They bury that information, yeah. and I wasn't necessarily going to talk a lot yeah. about that, but they have. Yeah, they have. Uh, they started as a very racially white mm. kind of religion, and yeah, yeah. And there are statements that you can, like, and they they have repented of some of those. Okay. So you have yeah. to give them credit. Yeah, in that respect.
1: Yeah, they yeah. wanted to acknowledge it. And- yeah. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Then the other problem that I find when I'm interacting with Mormons is that you can have a discussion, refute a point in their doctrine or their history, and in a sense, ultimately, they don't care because Mm -hmm. they grab on to this promise that they call Moroni's promise, this angel that they think revealed these things. The angel Moroni, uh, in Moroni 10.4, says, When ye shall receive these things, I should exhort that ye would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. If ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth unto it by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the old way of saying, I don't know if they say it anymore, they call it the burning in the bosom. That if you had this feeling of thinking and believing that Mormonism is true, mm. then it is true.
1: Yeah. that's So when I interacted, so I interacted with them when I was in Bible college, which yeah. was interestingly a, yeah. a weird place for a Mormon to go and try and convert people. But, wow.
0: They came <laughs> to the Bible college?
1: Apartments, like, I mean, literally right off campus. Okay. I mean, campus ended here yeah. and they were right there. and um, And that was one of the techniques feels like a strong word, but techniques that they used often was um that they would provide something they believe they would tell you about it explain things and then they would ask you to pray about it and see if it felt true or see if it felt right yes exactly that, that happened i mean literally two or three times every time i was i met with them and it was just yeah really interesting
0: yeah, it's uh, really kind of sad in some ways because there are people that are taken in by that. Yeah, I mean anybody and who's
1: hurting and lonely, exactly, is going to, that's going to appeal to you. Someone's giving you words that seem hopeful, then yeah, it's going to feel good in yes. the moment. And yes, it's not truth based; it's feelings based. Yes,
0: yeah. So I know somebody that actually was hurting quite a bit and began to talk with Mormons, and this was somebody that was really fairly solid Mm -hmm. in some ways in their faith, but they appreciated the personal attention. And then they even went over to the Mormon church and heard wholesome messages, Mm -hmm. saw wholesome people and... All the right words. Yeah, all the right words. And really in that time of hurt, um, having a need for human interaction mm-hmm. and fellowship, um, and yeah, they they got out of it and, yeah, and left yeah, it eventually, basically. but exactly that's the kind of thing that can happen if a person's just relying mm-hmm. on feelings because feelings come and go, and especially when we're hurting, we do look to other people to be yeah. a help to us and a comfort to us. And I mean, we want to, as Christians, we want to be a comfort to mm-hmm. people who are hurting. But in the end, I would never say that that's the reason why we believe what we believe right. is because of how you're feeling or not feeling. Right,
1: yeah. Because again, feelings are fickle. They're they there, are. they're gone. Yeah. And God is good regardless of how I feel yes. in that exact moment.
0: Yeah. And so that's, I think, uh, another application for us, an important one for us, is mm-hmm. that. Yes, we do want to feel good, and emotions are important. And Hannah just did a whole series on yeah. emotions and processing our emotions. Doesn't mean we ignore emotions. No. In fact, that's just the opposite error. That's yeah. also you ditch bad. on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and but yeah, you know, we can't rely on those emotions being the basis for truth. And there, there are sometimes I think we have to admit that we as Christians oh, fall absolutely. into that as
1: well. Yeah. So how do I interact with someone who is Mormon in a positive way?
0: Um, so yeah, first of all,
1: if you're
0: fairly confident and comfortable and relaxed, I would take the opportunity to do that and to um, talk with them at the door and to interact with them and just ask, You know, maybe ask some questions about what do they believe, why do they believe it, and ask what they think about the Book of Mormon. Um, You might want to break up some of these questions that, if you get into further conversation, questions about what they think happens after death. Yeah, that's a good way to go. Yeah, and just allow them to explain it and... You know, they're probably, again, just being aware that they're probably not going to give you the whole story, and especially the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to ask them why we need another book. This is probably an easy one for us to remember, why we would need another book when the Bible says that we don't mm-hmm. at the end of Revelation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and why you waited, what, 1,800 years? Exactly, to yes. Give to us.
0: Yeah. Um. You might want to ask, uh, talk about who Jesus is. Um, is he God come in the flesh? They're probably going to actually say yes, but just to explain the gospel to them. Um, and they're probably not going to understand you because they're going to use the some of the same words yeah. that we
1: would use. Because Mormonism would eventually boil down to lending itself more to faith by works, right, rather than...
0: Ultimately, yeah, there's uh, another page in this book, The Mormon Papers, that shows their path to heaven, and so um, they talk about the straight and narrow way that they believe they're on, the broad way that they think most of us are on, and then the low way for dishonest liars, sorcerers, adulterers, and... um, so they would say they're a straight and narrow way that they come to that, through morality, loyalty, tithing, words of wisdom, through duty, through baptism, endowments, through celestial marriage, being married in a Mormon temple, okay. a Mormon tabernacle, and uh, then you'll enter into the celestial kingdom. Um, well, depending on how much you do, either level one, two, or three in the celestial. Kingdom,
1: and again, based on how much, you... based on all these works, mm-hmm. yeah, on okay. the all these steps, right, that you go through, yeah,
0: and so yeah, so exactly what we're saying is to declare salvation by grace through faith can yeah. be a really important testimony to two. them. Exactly, Ephesians chapter two, seven and eight: For it is by grace you're saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, not by works, it is the gift of God, not by works. Amen. 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 and then works come for yeah. like we've been memorizing right. as a church for we are God's yeah. workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works mm-hmm. and we we have been created to do good works yeah. but it follows faith yeah we're and not so, saved by them we, exactly yeah,
1: do them because we're saved
0: exactly so so yeah so that's what I'm saying is uh, giving a testimony to them well both explaining the gospel Mm -hmm. In a simple way like that. And then sharing your own testimony of salvation by faith. If you can do those things, I think that's a good positive way. Um, They may or may not have heard Christians give testimonies. And so to say, you know, where your peace is, where your joy is, where your help is. Mm
1: -hmm. What are things that youth pastor here? um, Yeah. What are things that I would should encourage my youth group kids, to watch out for when interacting with Mormons and traps that would be easy to fall into or things that would be easy to believe.
0: Yeah, so I think um, you know young people are sharp and can sort some of these same kinds of applications out. Mm-hmm. I think that probably one of the issues is like for young people in general is the romantic relationships that can sometimes be started can really play with your feelings yeah and so easy just to justify very, cause exactly he does go to church exactly
1: i mean it's a little different but yeah absolutely
0: and so i'd say that's one of the big ones for a young person mm-hmm. is we know our when we become romantically involved our emotions just get
1: twisted yeah and just listen to them more than truth again
0: yes exactly and Mormons have been very cautioned against having relationships where they would go and mm. uh, come to our church. Right, I don't know if right. I've ever known a Mormon who has come to uh, no. an evangelical church. But yeah. I like I say, I have known Christians who've yeah. gone to Mormon churches because they've been persuaded yeah. in those wrong directions. You have to admire the fact that their young people will go out for two years
1: mm-hmm. on a mission. Well, and a lot of training before that. I mean, exactly. there are very few Mormons who do not know what they believe. Exactly. Yeah. And so a lot I think it's a, a challenge to do. us.
0: I mean, we'll get out on a mission like for a week or something, maybe. Yeah. But we just need to really keep remembering that there are people that are very dedicated. Mm-hmm. And how about us? Are, yeah. are we committed well, or not?
1: Genuinely dedicated. There's a lot of people who truly believe what the Mormon Church teaches, they are unaware of falsehoods. They're just trying to live their life, but unfortunately believing in the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. If they can be that dedicated
0: to untruth, mm-hmm. then where does that leave us? Yeah, we should be so
1: much more dedicated. Yeah, exactly. To the truth of the gospel. Yep. Amen. Amen.
0: So I think that's a challenge for us and for our young people.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: I think... You know, uh, young people to go and do something discipleship-oriented for six months, a year. Mm -hmm. I think we could do more of that, and it would be really good if we would.
1: Absolutely.
0: And we've had, like, young people have done YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Yeah. I think it was before your time here. Yeah. But that was helpful. And so I know... Up in Minnesota, there's a discipleship program that our former youth pastor, Scott, and uh, his wife, Scott Anderson and his wife, that they're involved with, yeah, okay. and so there's things like that with royal servants is uh, who they're with, and so there's opportunities like mm-hmm. that available.
1: Yeah. Love it.
0: Love it. Yeah, I think we've got a we got a couple now that's coming to church that um, Garrett and Kelsey, uh, yeah. And so I know they were, we were talking with them in membership class and they were saying that, you know, they would go to, they went to a small Nazarene college okay. and I think she got some kind of accounting degree and, uh, he ended up eventually deciding to become an electrician. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, all that is good. Yeah. Yeah. If you're able to go and do yeah. it and uh, we could just we could just do better yeah better at really training our young people yeah
1: yeah and even those who are older to just understand uh for the sure. entirety of the bible more and yep. how it all works together and all that yeah yep, which is part of the goal of these podcasts just to help people exactly understand the bible more and how to apply it yeah
0: so take some of those things uh, there's lots of uh, newer books i should have done a little bit of a search for some newer ones, but you can easily find on a Christian website um, good information about Mm -hmm. what Mormonism is, how it contrasts with Christianity, and Mm -hmm. that's something to investigate. If you find something good, let me know, and we'll take a look at it.